Good morning and welcome to this episode of Stewarding Family Wealth brought to you by Centurion Advisor Group. You're welcome to learn more about us at our website, which is centurionag.com. We will do the commercial later. This morning in the studio with us, we have Sandy LaRue, my co-advisor at Centurion Advisor Group, and Miss Anya Thane. And we have been talking for the last couple of episodes about family-owned and operated businesses. And Anya works for a family-owned businesses. Anya, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good, thank you. Good, good. Introduce yourself. Tell us what company you work for and anything you want to share about just that 30 to 60 second introduction. Okay. Yeah, so I work with Integracom. Uh, we provide reliable IT services for small, medium-sized local businesses. I have been there, actually, I just realized today is my eighth year full-time anniversary. Congratulations. Anniversary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a family-run business. It was started by my dad back in 2000. I've been helping out with super small things, even just like taking out the trash when I was 11. <laughs> but I've been very small things on and off throughout the years. And then I went full-time when I was 19. Um, so that was eight years ago. <laughs> sure. Wonderful, wonderful. If it's okay, I'll just ask you about your family. Mm-hmm. And you're the oldest of three. Yes. You have two younger brothers. So tell us about tell us about the boys and what you guys do when you're not working. And I think you were homeschooled, as I recall. Just tell yes. us about all that. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I have two brothers. Um, I have Calvin. He is three years younger than me. And then Basil, who is six years younger than me. So there's three years in between all of us. We were homeschooled. My mom uh, was going to homeschool us when we were in kindergarten just because she's like, oh, I don't know if I want to send them to school yet. So she's like, well, I'll just homeschool them for kindergarten and then I'll put them in school. Well, when I finished kindergarten, my youngest brother was born and my mom realized she'd have to drive me an hour with a newborn baby and a three-year-old. And she was like, oh, no. So my grandma was like, just homeschool another year. She's like, oh, okay. I'll do that. And then in that year, she decided, she's like, you know what? I like this. I think I want to do it long term. So it, w- it was great uh, with my dad owning you know, his, his own business. And then me and my brothers being homeschooled. When we were younger, we were able to do a lot of traveling, um, go to like lots of national parks, just a lot of, of fun things. So it was really great. And then also being in Gwinnett County, there's so many opportunities for homeschooled kids. Um, we were involved in a lot of co-ops, a lot of little groups. Uh, I went to a one day a week art school. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good way to grow up so that's um support of your education and we have watched this before because a number of our clients uh, have homeschooled their children Mm -hmm. and we are watching this it's it's much easier in what is this 21st century it's much easier in the 21st century than it was say 40 or 50 years ago uh much easier and so like the the co-ops for those that may not be familiar with homeschooling these are environments where you as homeschooled children can come together maybe for band or choir or a chorus uh orchestra or uh, specialty subjects Mm -hmm. that might be beyond the scope of your mom's experience yes yes like one of the things I did, I was involved in drama club uh, when I was younger, a specialized art school. Uh, my brothers did a lot of speech and debate classes um, by a local lady who teaches those. We were involved in a PE class mm-hmm. at a local gym that, that was like every week. So yeah, there it's basically anything specialized you want, you can find it by an, an expert to teach you. There's sports too, don't mm-hmm. they have some yes. of those? Because I remember reading about that. Yes. So so if, if someone's listening to us and, and perhaps they have... Uh, littles at home you know mm-hmm. the, the, in diapers or toddlers and they're they're exploring okay do I put my kids in public school do I put them in a private school to homeschool they're 
they could probably just do an online search and find all kinds of resources in mm-hmm. terms of homeschool associations, clubs, leagues, things of that, that nature, right? Yes, definitely. And there's also, I'm assuming they still have it, but I know when we were younger, they had a uh, yearly homeschool expo um, down in Atlanta. So yes. that's where a lot of resources can be found. Right. And there are, I, I, I don't know how many curriculums there are now, but yeah. the, the, there are lots. On one, one private school I know uses a, it's a, classic latin curriculum and that's about as far as i can go but they teach literally latin and mm-hmm. logic and a variety of other things i'm just completely impressed but um that's yes. off the subject today yeah. so <laughs> but in, in terms of travel now i remember you saying oh you told us a year or so ago that you had been at the time you had been to all except three states mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's always it's been a goal for many years to go to all 50 states. Originally, I was like, well, maybe I'll do all 50 by the time I'm 21. But that didn't work out. I think I got to 44 or something. Um, But yeah, so actually earlier this year, I just traveled to my 48th state, Wisconsin. So I only have North Dakota and Hawaii left. I'm not sure where I'll go first. Apparently, there is a club called Save the Best for Last, um, which if you're the last if you the 50th state you visit is North Dakota. You can be part of this club and you get like a t-shirt and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're trying to market <laughs> to get people that's to come there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the, the two states I have left. So I want to go to all 50. Got to make this happen the next few years. That is, that so is so my big. recommendation is yeah. to go to North Dakota in the summer because it would be cold in mm-hmm. the winter and go to Hawaii in the winter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, into intuition on that one. That's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good idea. So do. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have, I have high school friends that live in North Dakota. They raise mm. it's cattle cattle operation. Mm. Oh, cool. Believe it or not. Yeah. But not only have you traveled stateside, you've also traveled internationally. Yes. Tell, tell us more. Yeah. So my grandma was born in Hungary. Um, so there's definitely been an interest in Europe for years because um, we have some distant family members there. My parents, you know, thought it was very important to take us places and travel and get us to experience different cultures. So the first time we went over there was in 2011. They took us on a trip to um, Germany, Hungary, Austria, that kind of thing. Met some relatives, uh, got to see everything. And it was it was really a really good experience. Um, I definitely think traveling just really opens up your eyes to everything it makes you realize how lucky you are to have what you have even if you're not going to third world countries it's still like even small things for example the amount of trash cans america has that are super convenient how convenient it is to throw out (laughs) trash is amazing when you go to europe you have to like spend hours looking for a trash can so it's just even small things like that i just think it's it just really makes you realize how small you are and you know you know be grateful for what you have because you don't know what can happen but yeah it, it definitely another thing that really opened my eyes up is we went to Hungary in 2016 and at the time the news headlines everywhere were refugees refugees taking over everything it's dangerous don't go there and they even had videos of Hungary and saying that you know it was just crazy and we went it was a few weeks later so I think most of them had moved through but I did not see a single refugee and of course the news headline said it was chaos Mm -hmm. so i mean i do think there were some a few weeks before but it did really stand out to me that what you see on the the global news is not always exactly what's happening um and to kind of be aware of that it's very interesting we went to really tiny towns in hungary um, with one of my mom's cousins and just to see how people live and how there's there's no job opportunities the only job options are working for the train or being a teacher and how people 
live quite poorly. Definitely opens up your eyes. Wow. So there's there's simply in, in Hungary. I've I've been to Hungary a couple of times, primarily flying into Budapest mm-hmm. and then you know spending a day or two in country, then going on to Romania. Yeah. Just based on your experience there and having family in that part mm-hmm. of the world, what are the job opportunities? What is industry or what does work look like? I mean, because right now this is August of 2021 as mm-hmm. we record this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there are help wanted signs everywhere, and the mm-hmm. number one demand of employers is help. Yeah. Uh, truck drivers mm-hmm. and People work like everything, mm-hmm. everything. So, what is it like there by comparison? Do, do they have those opportunities? Do they have to leave hungry? What, what does that look like? This wasn't the last time I was there, 2017, and I think their economy has grown a little bit since then. But I do know back then, if you wanted a stable job, you had to live near the capital. If you were going to live outside another city, you were pretty much guaranteed to be poor. Most jobs were from the government or like schools. There wasn't really such a thing as small businesses. I think they've started creating them now. I think they got a new prime minister maybe a few years ago who's been encouraging more of that. Um, but it's it's just it's small. Like you can't you can't move up in the world unless you live near the big city, mm. which means it's there's not much happening in the smaller towns. There's not much economy. There's not much growth. Yeah, and 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 of course compared to here. There's a lot of small businesses. There's a lot of smaller towns. You can still have decent jobs. Um, you can still have a nice life. So that that was definitely points of interest, seeing yeah. how. I, I remember when we, it, it's been nine years. It's 2012 when Tr- Teresa and I were in um, Romania and, and Hungary. Mm-hmm. But we've been there three times. But what I remember is... I, I suppose you could call them small businesses, but really what they were was retail stalls. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. There would be like one of these huge buildings, sort of a warehouse-type building, and then someone had divided up where you could rent a stall and you could sell scarves or you could sell uh, chocolates or some mm-hmm. specialty item, but that's all you care. You sold this. And so if you're going to make a living, you worked in that retail mm-hmm. stall all day. And that's what we saw. You worked for, for the government or school system, all, all of which is run and managed by the government. Mm-hmm. Or at the other extreme, there would be manufacturing mm-hmm. a german-owned company or mm-hmm. f- from one of the more developed mm-hmm. western european countries you know from the manufacturing company from germany would come in and hire local people or of course then there's the uh, the french retailer the walmart of europe is is i'll remember it after we finish the podcast yeah so, i actually know what you're talking about you i know can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah but it's a yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a french company yes. they have locations like like walmart all over the u.s wow. yes. they have locations mm-hmm. all over all over europe western eastern europe mm-hmm. you know and so you had those that, that would hire people but what seemed to be lacking which is fascinating what seemed to be lacking was those middle-sized Mm-hmm. the homegrown companies that had 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 employees. They, they just did not exist. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not completely clear on the why behind it, but I know in Romania, Romania gained its independence in Christmas of 1990. It's either 89 or 90. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was... When when Ceausescu's Praetorian Guard took him out, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. there's a huge celebration. There's more to the story than that. It's a phenomenal story of of the search for freedom and liberty, and it's a beautiful story. But since that time, that's been 30 years, just over 30 mm-hmm. years, and Romania, which is just east of Hungary, not exactly the same cultures, but a common experience over the last 100 years under communist rule, mm-hmm. okay. They've had several constitutions just in the last 30 years, which makes the definition of property rights fluid. 
and mm. we didn't get together today to talk about what you need to have a healthy country, but, but a legal framework is the core of it. And the United States, by comparison, has been operating under the same constitution, fluid or otherwise, for 200, almost 250 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. so, so you drive by, in, both in Hungary and in Romania, you drive by thousands of acres of fields laying fallow that were undeveloped, unturned, not planted, just there. And it scratched my head, and I asked, said, there are questions about who owns this. So would you invest time, energy, labor, money, right. p- planting wheat? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But yeah, they, I, I saw that that middle-sized business. Mm-hmm. You had the one-person operations, and you had the international conglomerates. Yes. But there was no business infrastructure outside of that. That's a backbone of yeah, business right. you work in, business we work in, business our host here at Gwinnett Business Radio X. We are, by the way, on Gwinnett Business Radio X. Glad you joined us. But that's the environment we all work in. Mm-hmm. So is that what we got? Is that what we came here to talk about today? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it is. Well, I so, think it's about opportunity. And that was yeah. what you were pointing out, is that as much as you like to visit family in Hungary, mm-hmm. it sounds like the opportunities are here. And we yeah. don't always see them because this is what we're accustomed to. Exactly. So it's neat that you see that that was fast on the trash cans i don't remember that what <laughs> were, there, were there two or three other things that just stood out to you that yeah i, I guess another thing people talk a lot about is restrooms it's hard to find a restroom <laughs> i was going to say that you have to pay in yes. some of the countries i'm yes. like what <laughs> yes yeah it, it's usually like 50 cents or a dollar to pay but yeah you have to put a little coin in to get into the restroom it's very a very interesting experience another thing is drinks like you you know, obviously over here, you can get massive size drinks from McDonald's or whatever. Just get the very largest size over there. That's just not a thing. It's just a, one size. That's it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess another thing is, is I feel like the average quality of life over here is slightly better. So a lot of those countries, even countries that are very well developed, even some of the Scandinavian countries, people can only afford so much. So they can afford, their options are they can afford a car they can afford a decent sized house or they can afford a little summer cottage. You, you can't afford all three um, or they can afford like a little boat. Like you can't have, if you have a house and a car, you can't do much else. If you don't want to uh-huh. have a car and you want to have like some, va- you know, a little bit of vacation. And when I say a, a lake cottage, I'm talking a very tiny little shack. I'm sure it's quite fun, right. but it's almost like a camping style thing. So, you know, even though they're very advanced in their society, there is still, you only can kind of reach a certain level of comfort. Mm and luxury right. uh, which i think find over here you know people can work and usually get a higher and higher level of luxury or standard of life if they really want to not everyone wants to and that's totally fine but you know if they really want that nice car they can just work extra hard or save up their money and, and they could spend it on that they could maybe cut elsewhere whereas i feel like over in those countries it's not even an option no matter how hard mm. you work you would never be able to have enough money to afford a really nice car or a nicer house that's true. That you've, you've probably had friends that have visited the states, you know, that, that live in Eastern Europe and mm-hmm. that have visited the states for the first time. We've we've had the same thing as well. Friends from Romania that have come to the states and mm. to visit and for different reasons. And I've I've asked them what's your what's your first impression, you know? Mm-hmm. And after having traveled, Teresa and I've been fortunate enough to travel. We've traveled um, not much, really not much. We we've, we've been uh, done some volunteer work in Romania, but other than that, we've just been to the British Isles, um, mm-hmm. uh, Edinburgh, London, and and Paris, mm-hmm. which is a, a wonderful two week we spent over there. And you're right, the pay for the restrooms, the things are small compared yes. to what we're used to, but the people that have come here, when we ask that question, 
they said everything's big mm-hmm. and it's cold. The buildings are cold because oh, uh, the air conditioning. The, yeah. yeah, their their definition their definition of air conditioning in in, in yes. Europe is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to set my bedroom air on light frost, I can do it yeah. because you know I've got these big units that'll mm-hmm. crank it up, yes. baby. But uh, yeah, it's big and it's cold. Mm-hmm. You had an observation as we were coming into the show today. Talk about that. I think it's just great that we get to have you here with us and talk. Mm -hmm. Just I feel like um, she wouldn't say this, and um, she's an exceptional young lady, and she has just made decisions throughout her life that I find exceptional, which is why I think she's an exceptional young lady. But, you know, her parents have done a great job leading her and guiding her, but she has made decisions beyond that. She sets money aside regularly she lives life of I mean clearly she travels and stuff but she's not a, a, a person of excess which I think it's because of the appreciation which she can speak to but so my biggest thing is parents I, I have four young adult children and I've done the best I can as a mother but you still wonder like what makes the difference with one person and and I have to say actually her siblings are incredible as well but um I'm I'm just talking to her I, I love her so <laughs> What helps you? What what makes you wake when you wake up in the morning? What makes mm-hmm. you make the decisions that you make, and that are just different than so many other people and and some of your peers? Yeah, one thing that stands out to me is obviously I think your parents' spending habits and what they choose to do and not do does influence you to a certain extent. Um, but one thing I do remember is when we were younger, my parents did not buy little things. So if we were traveling, stop at a gas station, we didn't go buy a snack or a drink. Uh, you know, if we're traveling somewhere, we didn't necessarily get a whole bunch of touristy uh, souvenirs. It's, it's a small thing and not anything is wrong with that, but it just that mindset of not spending money on the small things, maybe saving up for something bigger, slightly nicer. Um, I think that's a very interesting mindset that can, can be help with saving money. Um, I would also say my parents did not have they were quite content in their life, so it wasn't an, always a feeling of, oh, I want something nicer, I want something better. Um, they were never mm. you know, jealous of what other people had or didn't have. So I think that kind of mindset helped because it just gives you a, a certain level of contentness in your life. You know, obviously you always want to be striving for something better, but you also want to be have a certain level of being content. But I, I think f- as far as being, it's a little bit of a personality thing. I, I do think like even compared to some of my siblings, I'm a little bit, tend to be more saving than them. And um, we've done some different classes and I always, the personality type that I am is always the very saving, the very <laughs> analytical, <laughs> the very paying attention to the numbers. So, and I, so I think that also has a little something to do with it. But it's, 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 I find finance interesting even just small things like my grandparents my mom's parents they my grandpa didn't make a ton of money but they lived a very comfortable life because they were very cautious with what they spent mm. it on they he even retired early even though he didn't exactly he was at the time was working for the government and didn't make a ton of money and my mom said she grew up having everything she needed but not necessarily anything she wanted and she said it wasn't a bad thing um awesome. so it was just having those examples i think taught me a lot yeah, even just from a young age of trying to work and save money, um, my parents definitely encouraged us kids to pay for things on our own. Um, they weren't likely to just mm. hand me 50 bucks and say, oh, go have fun. It was more like, oh, you got some babysitting money? <laughs> Which was like, <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so that's, I think it was also very much ingrained in us that we take care of ourselves, we pay for ourselves, so we need to be aware of that. Like, yeah, we could spend all our money on 
doing something fun, but we might need to save it for something in the future because we also need to pay for that as well. It, it definitely, I think, parents helps out a lot, but it doesn't, like you said, sometimes there's parents who have great spending habits and somehow the kids just missed it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and you're right, you're, you're VP operations for Integracom, mm-hmm. and, and so that suits you well. Yeah. That suits you well, that structure, and, and same thing. I'm, I'm intrigued, though. You're, you're 27, and you have made decisions around money that are just superb in terms of saving and investing and setting. Just just watching those decisions, so what's sort of the why behind that? And what, yeah. what mm-hmm. why saving and investing and setting money aside versus anything mm-hmm. else? I mean, and, and I wish I could go into numbers, but I, I, I cannot. All I can say is you have made some exceptional decisions around mm-hmm. when you have a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a conversation with my granddaughter who's in high school, and she's working, yeah. lifeguard. I said, when you have a dollar, when you have a dollar, or when you get a paycheck and it's $100, here's what you do. Mm-hmm. I said, you, you apply this for life, you'll be fine. I said, the first $10 out of that 100 you give it away. Just live with an open hand. Just mm-hmm. give it away. Yeah. I said, and the next $10 you set aside for yourself. You start now and you do that. I don't know what she'll do. I just, I've had one conversation. <laughs> I'm going to have another one. But, you know, you've done things like that. Yeah. I think people sometimes, f- I feel like it's important to look for experts in a field. So obviously I'm not a finance expert. I didn't have a finance degree. But I, I do find, even when I was younger, my parents did have a financial advisor. So it seemed like a very worthwhile investment to make was investing because you know retirement is a big deal and saving up money for your future is a big deal so having someone who is an expert in that field and does know what to do with it is a worthwhile investment of some of your money um so i I, even when i was really young i would talk to the financial advisor say hey what should i do also the you know a lot of uh matching so like you know iras simple all that kind of good stuff um 401ks a lot of companies offer matching and you know in some ways that's like double your money (laughs) it may not be Mm -hmm. much but it really is double your money so i definitely as soon i think as soon as i was eligible i started putting money in there because at the time i was young and didn't need too much and then as time went on i was like oh well, let's just see if I can keep that same amount and not change it. And let's see if I can just live a little bit cheaper to keep that same consistent savings going. Because, yeah, I, I think that automation, if you get it automated and going, that that's helpful. Because you don't have to think about it. Because I know sometimes for me, I'm like, oh, I have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> like even even something simple, like I, I had a, some kind of account with some insurance and they would charge you a dollar for uh, paper invoices every month. And, you know, I let it go on for like six months just because I couldn't be bothered to think about it and change it. So it's definitely the more automation is the better. Yeah. All right. So if you could give two or three pieces mm-hmm. of advice mm-hmm. to anyone that's listening that was born in the 80s or 90s. Yes. Okay. What are the two or three pieces of advice that you would give them? The number one thing, if you've got a 401k option, go for it. Okay. <laughs> definitely go all the way up to the matching, uh, mm-hmm. more if possible. I guess I I think it's also very important to know where your money is going. So that would be the second piece of advice is track. Like how much are you spending on something? Um, How much are you spending on certain categories? You know, is it way less than you thought, way more than you thought? Just to see, because even for myself, I feel like I'm very cautious of what I spend money on. But a few days ago, I was looking through some of my accounts. I was like, my goodness, I didn't know I spent that much money on food. (laughs) So I I do think it's good to kind of know what's happening, because obviously you can't fix anything if you don't know what's going on smart mm-hmm. good 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 so know where your money's going mm-hmm. and if you have a 401k or employer plan put money on it yes mm-hmm. that's good 
That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, hey, this this brings us, uh, friends and neighbors, to the end of our first episode with Anya. Stay tuned for more because we are going to talk with Anya more about what it's like in the family business. What What is it like to work there? And, and lots of questions around that. And there are a number of you listening, I know, that fall in that category. Either you're the you're the founding owner of the company or your second generation with questions about how all this works so we're going to visit with continue to visit with Anya in the next episode so stay tuned for that in the meantime this is Randy Brunson with Centurion Advisory Group where you're on the air with Gwinnett Business Radio X what's the story with us we are simply here to serve to help you make decisions around tax planning let's pay less and more Mm -hmm. charitable gift planning let's give well and then how do we transfer assets and values across generations you can find more on our website if you want to talk to us that's it for today talk to you soon Mm -hmm.